Well, good morning. Kids and all. Kids, I'm actually really excited that you guys are here. Um, last night, I made a deal with one kid, and I forgot to do it this morning. That one kid, they were supposed to get a little bit squirmy and restless, and they were my cue to get off of stage. And so I'm just going to use vaguely you guys, okay? So the moment that you're done, I'll try to be done. Otherwise, um, let's see if we can get through this together, guys. We've got kids in the service today, and so we're going to try to be uh, a little bit shorter. But um, I, I think that we're going we're gonna to do a good job doing justice to something that all of us deal with, whether we're, we're young or old. And so we're in the middle of a series. The, the series that we're in the middle of is called Unseen, and it's a series on prayer. And the basic premise of, of the series was, as Christians, we know we should be praying, and yet it seems like for a lot of us, we have a lackluster, uh, faithless prayer life. And sometimes it's because there are a lot of questions that are out there, and there, there are things that we know um, that we believe, but we don't experience about prayer, and the disconnect sometimes just leaves us a little bit disillusioned. And so that's where we've been for the last couple of weeks. We're going to take a, a slight detour today. It's still going to be about God. It's still going to be about our, our intima, intimacy with Him and, and our prayer life with Him, but we're going in a slightly different direction today. And so... The way that I want to get started is, uh, d- does anybody know what this is? Last night, somebody thought that it was like the thing that you bring a seal out on for the circus, right? With a ball on his nose. Like, yeah, it's not that. <laughs> okay, I don't have a, an animal that's going to come join us on stage at some point. Um, this, this is a box that, that CrossFitters and gym people use for box jumps. Okay, so if you don't know what a box jump is, uh, basically, uh, you, you're supposed to just stand in front of it. You're not allowed to run. And then you just squat down, and you've got to effort yourself up on top, right? Now, how many of you guys think that sounds easy? Most of you guys are telling the truth, and then there's the kids and one athletic person, right? <laughs> right? Now, it's actually, it, it can be really, really terrifying. In fact, I've, I've seen people that are scared of, of little jumps. Just the idea of committing to, to leaving the ground, and like, if I miss... I'm going to fall down, right? If I, if I don't get all the way up there, if one toe trips on the edge, um, it's scary. And so you see people that just, they stutter over like, no, and they don't, they don't quite want to get up there, right? So um, I, I talked to my gym and got permission to bring this box jump, and this is the biggest one that they had at the gym. And so I've actually seen them that are like, like on videos that are like eyeball height, and professional like NFL and, and NBA athletes are showing you how high they can jump. And that is terrifying, isn't it? The idea of, of jumping up, like if I miss, what's going to happen? Like my, my shin's going to scrape down the front of this thing or, or I'm going to fall off backwards. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine this week who said that, that in high school they had to do some box jumps and he watched a girl get onto it but not get all the way onto it. And so her feet were up there, but she wasn't. And so she went backwards onto her back and just knocked the wind out of her, right? There's lots of ways that this could go wrong if, if you were going to try to jump on this box. And so the more you think about it, the, the scarier it gets, right? Now, what I want to do is I want to talk about a Christian box jump. I want to talk about a problem with, with Christianity, a problem with the church culture that is a lot like this box jump. And I bet most of you guys are familiar with it. Um, I use a, a term with the youth group um, called Christian ease. And the idea is that there's a language around the church 
There's a church culture that has this language, and sometimes the things that we talk about are biblical, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just real encouraging, or they're really good for like a poster on the wall. But we've got Christianese that a lot of us speak. And one of the things that is really, really popular, especially when times are a little bit hard, is this idea that you can choose joy. You guys ever heard that? The idea that you can choose joy. Now, it comes in different forms, right? If you actually Google choose joy, all of our favorite Christian authors and and, uh, pastors and preachers, they've all got something out there on the interwebs about choosing joy. But it doesn't always sound like that. Sometimes it's just, um, you know, you could just be happy. You ever had somebody just tell you to be happy? Kids, have your parents ever said just, would you just be happy? You have nothing to be sad about, Right? Now, translate that into adulthood, right? Has anybody ever said something similar? Just be happy. You don't, have, you don't have to be upset. You don't have to let this get to you. You don't have to. Giggling is what we're going for here, right? And that's, we want to be happy. It's as if somewhere on our body, there's a happy switch. And we just don't know about it, right? And all you need is that one friend to be like, did you know you have a happy switch? <laughs> all you, just flip Ding! <laughs> and you're suddenly happy, right? And we all know that that's, that's not true, but that's how it comes across, right? And then it's incredibly hurtful or painful, might be a better way to put it. It's incredibly painful to be going through something truly hard and then have that thought come up, whether somebody else brings it up or it's in your mind that you're responsible to somehow will your happiness in the midst of this pain. And see, It's a lot like this box jump because I do believe it's possible. I do believe that we have control over our emotions and and our emotions shouldn't control us. But just like this box jump, it's possible for me to get on this, but it's not likely, right? It's, I'm not sure I can actually leave the ground. I'm not sure I'm convinced that I'm gonna get up there. And so in the same way, whenever we say, choose joy, just be happy, control your emotions, it's possible, but nobody really ever talks about how, right? Nobody ever talks about the way to get on top of the box, and it's easier said than done. And then what happens is we imagine a false standard of fake happiness, and that does more harm than good, doesn't it? That somehow we think that in the midst of my tragedy or my frustration or this fight I'm having, somebody tells me or I think that I need to to choose to be happy, and I'm supposed to go from the dumps to just happy, right? And, and I look at that and I go, well, that's not going to happen. Did you see what she said to me, right? That's not going to happen. You, you realize I'm about to lose my job, right? I'm not just going to jump up to this happiness level. And so because we've got this fake or false idea of what this looks like, we just say, it's not happening today, right? And here's the reality. All of our lives are full of anxiety and fear and busyness, whether you are for or 40, or 84, right? We've got a lot of anxiety and fear and busyness in our lives. And so here's what I want you to do real quick. Take a moment in the silence and picture what's making you most anxious right now. What is the thing that you worry about the most often? If I said in the last week, what were the things that kept you up at night or made your heart beat faster, made your blood pressure rise? Can you picture something? Now, maybe it's a person. 
right? Don't look around, <laughs> right? Maybe it's a person and you're just like, oh my gosh, when they're around, just, I want to, you know, yeah, you all know what you want to do. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's something hard at work or in your family life. Maybe it's because Thanksgiving's coming and that one person's going to be there and you hate the holidays with that person, right? Maybe it's a wound, Maybe there's something that has happened to you maybe recently or a long time ago, but that pain is always in the back of your mind, and when it comes up, suddenly you feel the anxiety and the pressure and the fear. There's all kinds of things, right? Now, hold that in your mind for a second. I would say most of us would agree that we're experiencing something like that on a regular basis, I assume, okay, if you're anything like me. Now, Let's look at a Bible verse, a popular one that Paul wrote. It goes like this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Is that familiar? Right? There's different translations, obviously. But the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of us could say, I could use some more of that? I could use some more peace in my life. Right? And I have to confess, I don't always feel like the peace of God is guarding my heart and mind. I feel like a lot of times my heart is, is out there kind of fighting for itself amidst all this anxiety and pressure, right? We're all constantly feeling stress and worry, and there's just simply not a lot of peace in our lives. And yet, it's right there in the Bible. God says, I will give you peace. It'll protect you. And you're like, yeah, well, When? Right? When is that going to happen? We're not going to turn there quite yet, but um, before we do, what I want you guys to understand, the, the author of that statement, the author of the book of Philippians, his name is Paul. Okay, he wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. When he wrote this book, the book of Philippians, he was in prison. And I don't want you to imagine that, that stint that your uncle did in the local jail. That's not what I mean, right? He was in a Roman prison 2,000 years ago. It was ugly, right? And so when Paul's in prison and he writes these things, I want you to imagine he probably had a lot of stress too. He probably had a lot of anxiety and fear as well, okay? So here we're going we're gonna to look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Does that warped and crooked generation part sound familiar? Right? I mean, have, have you looked around lately? Our world is pretty warped, isn't it? This generation that we're living in right now is, is pretty crooked, isn't it? Things are a mess. We don't all agree. Not that we ever did, but it's like really a big deal right now. <laughs> we hate the other political party, right? We really can't stand the way that Hollywood is taking us, but at the same time, we're all addicted to everything that Hollywood vomits out, right? We, we see around us in the school system things that we feel like we can't control, but it's just getting uglier and messier and more violent and more negative. In fact... If there's one thing that kind of, that looks very similar, the culture that's around us and the church culture, it's negativity. I have to admit that as a pastor, I'm kind of in a fairly Christian bubble. 
I spend a lot of my time with Christian people, and, and I feel like a lot of the time we're still just grumbling and complaining and arguing like everybody else. And what Paul is saying here is that there should be a distinction, right? Did you notice he said, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, as if you would define everybody else one way, but define the children of God a different way. And the distinction would be, do everything without grumbling and arguing. That the way that we might stand out in a warped and crooked generation is to experience the same things in life without grumbling and without arguing. See, life stress is going to come at the Christian the same way that it comes at the atheist and the Buddhist. Everybody experiences life stress. But what if because of Jesus, your experience in life was different than the people around you? Do you guys know somebody that complains all the time? Are you that somebody that complains all the time? <laughs> you know, I think that if I asked you to, to just stop for a moment, if, if you had to write down your thoughts for one afternoon, if you could keep up for one afternoon, would they be more positive or negative? Would you be surprised by how many negative thoughts you're having on a regular basis? Somebody told me last night, I actually, uh, I don't think I'm that negative, and the reason I don't think I'm that negative is because it's like I'm numb to it. It's literally everything that comes out of my mouth, I just don't notice. And see, the problem is this negativity is like fuel on a fire that's already burning, right? We've already got enough anxiety. We've already got enough stress. We've already got enough things coming at us and just pouring more negativity on it just makes it burn hotter, right? When was the last time you grumbled about something and then felt relieved? When was the last time that you complained or argued and were like, boy, better now? Never, right? It feels good in the moment. You're just making the fire burn hotter. And so check out what, what Paul says in the next verse here. I'm going to go back and read from 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What if the distinction between a Christian and a non-Christian experiencing the stresses of life, what if the difference was so much that we looked like stars shining in the night sky of their life? Above it all, unaffected, so different, right? Have you ever known somebody that should be complaining and arguing, but they don't? Don't you love being around people like that? Don't you, aren't you shocked sometimes when you look at their life and you go, your life is a mess. Don't you notice? And they're like, eh. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about it. You know, um, my granddad passed away uh, just over a year ago, and before that, he had a stroke. And so he was, he was living with the effects of a stroke for a, about a year, year and a half. Um, and I never, now I'm not, I wasn't his primary caretaker, but I never was around him dealing with that when he grumbled or complained or argued. Now, he might apologize that he couldn't communicate the way he wanted to or that his, his thoughts weren't the way that they were supposed to be, and he was a little confused, but not once was he ever bitter or angry or complaining around me, right? Like a star 
shining in the night sky, right? Like just, you look at it and you're like, aren't you upset? No, I mean, you know, <laughs> kind of, but no complaining, no arguing. Don't you love being around people like that? All right, so the very next verse is interesting. Paul's in prison, right? Verse 17, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service from your faith. In other words, you guys, I'm in prison because of what I did for you. I'm in prison because I'm a pastor, because I'm a church planter, and I might die, is what he's saying, okay? I think they're gonna kill me. And even if I die, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now this word rejoice is Paul's version of choose joy, right? This is Paul telling you, he actually says be glad and rejoice. He's like, you should be happy. I am. And you go, what? <laughs> Don't you, you know you're in prison, right? You know you're about to die. That's Paul talking about this box jump. And what Paul is saying here is, even though I'm about to die, I'm okay. I could jump up on this box. You should jump up on this box too. And you're like, well, that sounds neat. <laughs> How do we do that? Right? All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to stay in the book of Philippians, but we're going to stay with this theme of rejoicing. And so we're going to skip forward. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go forward to chapter 4. And in verse 4, it starts like this. Paul says, rejoice, there it is again, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And again, he's like, okay guys, I need you to jump up on this box. I need you to have joy. And you're like, we get it, Paul. How are we going to do it? The next few verses are the key, okay? So I want you guys to pay attention. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then here's that verse we started with. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that second sentence is the part we want, right? At the beginning, we were all like, I could take some more peace. I would like some more of that guarding my heart business. The first sentence is how we get there. And so let's dig into it a little bit. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And, and I wanted to do a word search because I like to be a little nerdy. And I was like, you know, it, in the English, it doesn't say don't get anxious. Did you notice that? It doesn't say don't get anxious. Like, that's not possible. We go through life and something's going to come up and like, <gasps> Right? It doesn't say don't get anxious, don't be anxious. And so I wanted to do this word search on the word be, and it's not even in the original language. It's just be anxious is the original Greek, one word. And you know what it actually means? It means to be careful or to take thought. In other words, to put intentional thought into. And so what he's saying here is don't, Focus your thought life on the things you worry about. Don't spend mental energy being careful or attentive to the things that are bothering you. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. He's saying, have a thought life where the things that make you anxious come 
but also go. And they don't consume you. But, and I like the, like we're going to break down the word but. <laughs> instead, right? So here's your option. Here's where you finally get to, instead of just a command, here's some things you can do about it. And so instead of that, by prayer and petition, and I think that this seems like just a duh moment, right? Like you're reading this and you're like, of course we're in the Bible, and he says, well, you should pray. And the idea here is, do you want to know the, the mechanism, the, the way to let it both come and then go, is to hand it off. That you experience something that makes you anxious, you experience something that bothers you, some fear, some pain, reminding, being reminded of a wound, and, and, it, and it gets you, right? You feel your heartbeat raise or, or your mind goes to all the terrible things. And the way to not dwell on it is to take that thing and then say, God, I don't want this. I need you to take this. And you hand it off. Okay? I'm, I'm really struggling with this idea that, that I'm about to lose my job. I can feel it. I can see it on the faces of the people at work. Like everybody knows. And instead of being consumed by that, God, I... I need you to deal with my frustration and pain so that I can be a good employee and like maybe not lose my job, right? I, I, need to, I need to not focus on the negative here because it's like fuel on that fire. I never get out of this cycle of anxiety and worry. And you hand it off. But I think even the prayer part, we've been, we've been in a series on prayer, right? I think even the prayer part, we get it. We're like, man, I pray all the time. <laughs> God, take this junk from my life. And I'm not necessarily feeling any more peace. The next word is the key. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. How many times are we anxious or worried or upset? And if you're a Christian, you're like, okay, my answer is to go to Jesus. And so you go to Jesus and you're like, take this away. I hate it. Right? Make my parents stop spanking me. <laughs> Make... Make my boss be nice. Make my husband say nicer things to my kids, right? Whatever it is that you're really stressed out about, and you're just like, just, I hate it. And we're leaving out this Thanksgiving part. And what's interesting here is there's a psalm. In fact, um, Tim referenced it earlier. It's, it's Psalm 100. And the idea is we enter God's gates, or in, in the Old Testament, it would be the gates of the temple, right? But we get access to God and his intimacy and the answers to prayer with thanksgiving. It's as if the, the secret code through the gate is thanksgiving. And so what we didn't show you here, or what we didn't talk about, let's go up another uh, a line or two there. It says, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. And see, I think it's interesting that it says in and not instead of, right? I think here, here's a lot of our tendency. I've got this problem and, and I know I, I don't want to be anxious and upset about it and so I want to choose joy. I can't see my problem anymore. I can be happy. Right? I'm going to ignore the thing that's bothering me. My version of choosing joy is to choose to ignore that.
pain, that worry, that anxiety, right? And so we have a tendency to say this exact verse, except we would read it like, don't be anxious about anything, but instead of every situation, go to God, right? It's like sidestep things. And he says, no, in every situation, right? And so where our tendency is to avoid things, what he is saying here is if you can go to God with thanksgiving in the midst of whatever's troubling you, about the things that are troubling you, then you can get the peace that's going to guard your hearts and minds that only God can give you, right? In it. So thanksgiving, you guys, is, or thankfulness, however you want to think about this, is the delivery system of taking our worries to God. It's as if you were going to walk into the throne room of God and you've got a, and this sounds dumb, right? But you've got like a present and the present is your prayer request, right? The box that it comes in is thanksgiving. It's thankfulness. The way that we hand our prayers to God is thankfulness. Think about why for a second. It's a lot harder to be thankful and bitter at the same time, isn't it? It's a lot harder to be thankful and negative at the same time, isn't it? And so if you wrap your prayer request in thanksgiving and as you're handing it to God, imagine how your heart looks to the God who's receiving this prayer. That God, I am thankful for X, but I need help. Imagine how that's received. And he says, yeah, have some peace, right? While I sort this stuff out. And see, here's the thing. Thankfulness is a choice. We talked about at the beginning, choosing joy. Joy is a choice. Thankfulness is a choice. I've got another box jump here. I don't know if you noticed, this one's smaller, kids. (laughs) Thankfulness is a choice too. But it's a lot easier to choose to be thankful than it is to choose to be happy. Right? Isn't that true? That in the midst of the things that bother us, we can usually find a way if we make ourselves to choose to be thankful. And so jumping up on this one just isn't quite as scary now, is it? Right? It's not like this this big giant one. And so this is an easy first step in learning to choose joy is this idea of choosing to be thankful. Right? And so you're, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to keep using this one. I'm, I know I'm going to get fired. I'm so, but, but God, I am thankful that I have a job right now. Please help me with this job, right? God, I am, I'm so broken inside about the way that my wife treats my kids. I don't know what to do, but I am thankful that she's in their life. And learning to jump on this smaller box is going to be good for your relationship with Jesus. Because we can control how much peace and joy we experience, but it's really hard to get started, you guys. And so here's something, I'm gonna gonna put this up on the screen, just something to think about for a minute. Your perspective determines your level of peace and joy. Which is true, but God gave you a tool to change your perspective. And it's thankfulness. And see, here's the thing. Choosing to be thankful does a couple things for you, okay? First, I'm going to do this right. If I choose to be thankful, 
Look at how much closer I am to the joy box. Look at how much easier it was for me to get up here from there. Look at how much less effort and how less scary that was to jump up there, right? And so just being thankful gets you started on the route to experiencing more joy in the first place. But here's the other thing it does. You spend enough time jumping up onto the thankfulness box. And one day, whenever God says, look, I need you to choose joy in this situation, you've done it enough. You've jumped up enough times that it's not quite as scary to jump up on the big one, right? And so in those moments when somebody says, choose joy, you're like, yeah, I'm ready for that because I've been choosing to be thankful for so long. And so I'm gonna invite Pastor Winston to come up and we're going to do just a few more things before we close. Today we talked about, um, we talked about just a, a couple tendencies that we have, okay? And so what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to close your, close your eyes, bow your heads, so that nobody's looking. Some of you guys need to let go of some negative thinking, some complaining and some arguing. And here's the reason. Negativity and thankfulness will fight each other constantly. The more thankful you are, the less negative you'll be, but the opposite is also true. And so what if we could get a jump start on our Thanksgiving week by rejecting some of our negativity, by repenting of those things? And so every head is bowed, every eye is closed, nobody's looking around. If you would say, I'm that person who struggles with complaining and arguing and being negative, would you raise your hand? Keep it up. You're in good company. A lot of hands went up. All right. Now, maybe one of the other things that we talked about is that your tendency is in trying to choose joy, you tend to ignore things that are hard. You ignore problems. You get distracted from them. You stay busy-er. You focus on other things. And some of you guys need to acknowledge and stop ignoring some pain and some stress, some wounds, and focus on going in and through situations to get some peace. If you're that person that has a tendency to ignore your problems, would you raise your hand? Also, a lot of hands went up. Okay, you guys can put your hands down. You can open your eyes. What we're going to do... As, uh, as Winston starts playing here in the background, we're going to do a very practical thing. Kids and adults alike, we're going to do a very practical thing around thankfulness and thanksgiving. In front of you, in every back of every seat, there's a packet that looks something like this. Reach in there and grab that packet. What you're going to find in there are some sticky notes of different colors and a pen. And I want to be very clear, this is your new pen. <laughs> Please don't leave it with your germs all over it somewhere here for somebody else. Take your pen home. Okay. With your new pen, here's what I want to do. Get out the yellow sticky notes to, to start with. There's two, should be two, sticky notes in there that are yellow. Can you think of two things that you're thankful for? And write them down. And listen, it can be anything. Maybe you're happy about that new Jeep you just bought. 
right? In, in, in middle school, we had kids that were like, Xbox. <laughs> it's fine. What are you thankful for? Friends, family, holiday season? Shouldn't be hard for you to come up with two things that you're thankful for. All right, now, you'll notice that there's, there's another color in there, the orange one. Here's what I want you to do. Take just a moment. You remember at the beginning I said picture that one thing that's making you the most anxious, the most fearful, the most upset. What is that one thing that is driving your negative emotions? What is that one thing that you are most worried about in your life right now? I want you to picture that again. Hold it for a second. Experience it for a second. And let's be in it. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a wound or some pain. You guys all have something in mind? Now, on this orange sticky note, Write something in that that you are thankful for. What can you be thankful for about that person? What can you be thankful for in that situation? About that wound? What can you be thankful for? Now listen. A few of you guys are looking at me. I can see it. We're making eye contact and you're like, I, I don't think there's a whole lot in there. I don't think that there's a whole lot that I could be thankful for in that, with that person. If you truly cannot find something to be thankful for, you can be thankful that that person, that situation, that pain was paid for at the cross. You can be thankful that that has been redeemed, it's been paid for, that you won't have to deal with that in eternity. You can be thankful for what Jesus has done in that situation, even if it still hurts. And as we're, we're finishing up writing our notes, um, Pastor Winston's gonna lead us in uh, a new song. Some of you guys might know it, some of you might not, but let's express our thanks to God, and then I'll come up to close us here in just a moment. Amen. As Thanksgiving week gets started, what if we walked out of here more thankful than when we came in? And what if we began to experience more peace than the peace we were experiencing when we walked in? And so what I wanna do, as you guys are, are leaving here today, after I pray for you, I want you to leave blessed, I want you to leave with peace, but I also wanna be, uh, I wanna be a, a church that expresses our gratitude. And so I don't know if you noticed on the way in, but on the way out, I want you to take those sticky notes and let's cover that wall back there with the things that we're thankful for. I walked through there this morning and I looked at all the things and God is sure good, isn't he? We have a lot to be thankful for. Let's, let's leave that expression here. Not, not that you're gonna let go of it, but let's show each other all the things that we have to be thankful for, okay? And then 
Tonight, don't forget to come to our, our worship night at 6.30. An easy opportunity to be thankful and to experience more peace. Let me pray real quick. Jesus, we're thankful. We are. Even in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of the hard stuff, we're still thankful. And we trust a good God to take care of us. And so we ask for some peace. We ask for a season of peace. Would you, uh, would you make an impact in our lives, teaching us to jump onto that choice that is thankfulness, so that when you call us to jump onto that choice that is joy, we'd be all the more ready. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.